0: choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com
1: this is good, good morning liberty
2: Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and I'm bringing you one of our interviews that we did with a state rep candidate in Illinois, District 113. We're doing these candidate spotlights, trying to do them every morning leading up to the election. This guy is a great libertarian, and the district is very close to home for us He's got some, some really cool issues, including making it easier to foster children in, in Illinois. His name is Mark Elmore, and he's running in the 113th district for the state house in Illinois. If you are in that district, then we highly, highly recommend you consider making a change from the old R&D and going towards the Libertarian, which is the only way to get us out of this crazy mess that we are in right now. Mark, we had a great conversation. I'm going to put you guys straight into it. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. So the 113th district encompasses um, the majority
3: of Belleville, Illinois, uh, encompasses the village of Swansea, uh, Fairview Heights, and a little bit of Granite City. And uh, it also covers... Uh, a little bit of East St. Louis, right around the Washington Park sort of area, but not a whole lot of that.
2: Gotcha. Well, we're—I—I I don't know if—if if you know this, but we're from—we're from your neck of the woods, kind of. We're from Illinois, but southern, way southern Illinois, like get your groceries in in Paducah, Kentucky, kind of thing. Um, but—but but still from <laughs> Illinois. We fled there ten years ago got escaping the taxation. So um, real quick, why don't you tell everyone uh, just kind of a little bit about yourself, uh, your name, whether or not you're from there and, and what you're running for. Sure.
3: So uh, my name is Mark. Uh, I am running for state representative the 113th district. Um, originally I am from Peoria, Illinois. Uh, my wife and I uh left that city moved down into sub- the southern illinois region many many years ago and we've just always sort of stayed down here eventually we moved um we were over in the carbondale area we eventually moved over to more uh, look to be a little bit closer to st louis um so that's how we ended up here and we love it here we have no intention of ever going back to storia and really you know in all honesty um uh, trip across the river starting to look really good <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so a little bit about me and my wife and I. We've been married, uh, 12 years. Um, we've got four children, two of which are foster children. Um, we are, uh, licensed foster parents in the state of, uh, of Illinois. Um, we have two infants with us right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so life's a little bit crazy. Um, and things are a little bit hectic, but, uh, you know, it's it's the life we live and the one we've chosen
2: to live. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm happy with it. And so, you and, with, s- and with
1: two infants, you're like, let's run for state rep as well. <laughs> That's right? exactly
2: what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah,
3: I yeah, I figured. Uh, you know, you can't get much more stressful than uh, having two infants, uh, trying to get them to sleep and eat, and all, and going to all kinds of appointments with with biological parents. And I was like, you know what, you know what, we need, we need politics we need a campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I jumped into that. <laughs> uh, talk about the Greening.
1: state, of, talk about the, the state of politics right now in Illinois.
3: <laughs> so let's start with the overall government situation. It's bad. It's terrible. Uh, anyone who's left Illinois and, uh, knows it's, it's incredibly overbearing. Within the local area, um, it's very, it's a very red area. Uh, it's the southern part of Illinois. There's, more you know it's a more rural sort of area um people just generally with the exception of Belleville um it is typically more of a red area Uh, for the most part everyone down here just wants to be left alone um so that causes a lot of tension between this region and government uh up in springfield because anyone who's been paying any attention lately knows that uh, the illinois state government doesn't want to leave anybody alone for anything. Um, I would say Illinois is just really a full-scale uh, example of the current national politics. It's that same sort of uh, tension going on uh, even down here in this region. Um, you know, it's it's that, it's just, you know, take, take what you see at the national level with the current presidential election and just, you know scale that down a couple hundred times and that's Illinois um, suffice to sum it up it's a dumpster fire uh, <laughs> and unfortunately uh, you know our my state representative who I'm running against um, has you know he's enabled it he's with the he's part of the ruling party um, in the state and uh, they continue to enable the dumpster fire and keep it going on. So now we're facing things like more unconstitutional executive orders, a uh, governor who wants to continue to defy current uh, or current state judge orders in regards to that. Uh, so now we got more lockdowns coming from various regions. Um, and then of course, we're under threat with higher taxation, um, but that's never anything new. That's, um, that's just how it is in Illinois. Um, I think they're trying to create maybe four or five new taxes, threatening us with a 20% flat tax increase if we don't vote yes for the fair tax.
2: So, yeah, so uh, it's corrupt as ever,
3: and it's the dumpster fire.
2: So we spent about half an hour yesterday on our podcast talking about the fair tax in Illinois, and just how ridiculous it is, first off, that they stole the name fair tax from what was um, a, a much more fair way of stealing money from people without their consent. That was a previous idea uh, nationally. But they they also, I mean, the, a progressive tax in Illinois, if I could have thought of anything to make Illinois worse, it would it, that would have been top of the list, honestly, would be adding in this progressive tax. What, what are your thoughts on, on the fair tax in general?
3: I am firmly against any and all taxation. So I am really pushing a no, Uh, I'm pushing for voters to to reject this this fair tax because it's not fair. And my my argument is this. Um, If you think the government is going to not raise taxes on you next year, then sure, go ahead, vote. But if you can't trust that they're not going to do that in a state that historically always raises taxes every year, it's like clockwork then you're going to vote then you should vote now. Um, and virtually everybody I've talked to in my district, uh, whether they're Democrat or Republican, they all tell me the same thing. They don't want any more taxes, no more taxes, none, zero zilch. Um, so this whole fair tax situation, it's, it's not, it's not fair. Um, the current fair, the current flat tax, which mandated by the Illinois state constitution is fair um, because at least it's applied to everybody equally. Um, Whereas, you know, you get into a progressive tax and then you let a bunch of state legislators who just love to spend money, like it's going on the style, um, start playing with, with tax rates at will, then, you know, you are going to end up with more taxes on, on the middle class. And I keep telling people, I've always told people, um, you know, you're if you don't think that the middle class and the poor are going to get hit, then you're just dumb. Because they're going to be hit, and they're going to be hit the hardest.
2: Well, especially when they're the only people left after all of the people with money leave. So they're they're going to be the exactly. only people to pay that tax. And if they're not hit by the tax, they're going to be hit by the the economic fallout from the tax. Yeah. It, being yep. in Illinois there, you're fighting a very, very hard uphill battle right now how how has the response been to a libertarian talking about things like no taxation how has that been going up there Uh, i
3: it's still I, i still get met with a lot of well we still need it for things like roads and schools i'm like not really but okay you know um i try not to argue too much with a lot of people for the most part um you know they're they're pretty receptive to the fact that like yeah you know you want lower taxes um, maybe not necessarily agree with no taxes but um, they would certainly so far I've had people who certainly prefer me over the the, the current incumbent um, or some of these other politicians that you see running now. Um, a big part of my platform is not just lower taxes, but it's getting government spending under control. Uh, our biggest our biggest problem in in the state of illinois is our state government just loves to spend money. They have no i they have no concept of not spending money. They just it's to them it's just a dollar amount on a piece of paper and the numbers don't actually mean anything. But in reality that translates into more debt for the state, more debt that the rest of the citizens have to pay for and make up later in the future. Um, and then that's when you end up with these budget shortfalls and you get more taxes. So from that angle, a lot of people really do appreciate from both sides, appreciate that I'm willing to put that, get that stuff under control in order to lower the taxes. Um, one of the highest, I think Illinois has one of the highest property tax rates in the country. Uh, we're just behind, uh, New Jersey and I think maybe even New York, um, and then and within our region, within the Southern Illinois region, um, my district has some of the highest property taxes in the entire Southern state of Illinois. And a lot of these people are starting, you know, more and more people are putting up for sale signs and they're hopping across the river into St. Louis, going over to Arnold, Missouri, or, um, you know, some of the places over there. Why? Because they get more house and a whole lot less. And
1: then you know, eventually you can you're you're gonna you can tax people uh, away, um, which you know people are leaving Illinois in droves. Nate and I, I'm mm-hmm. sure he mentioned this, are are two of those people who left ten years ago. <laughs> so
3: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: we got out we got out yeah. while it was hot. So yeah, and, and good for
3: you guys too. Uh, yeah, the number one of everybody who leaves the number one cited reason
2: for them leaving is the taxation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, the property taxes, my mom lives close to Carbondale, Illinois. And, uh, I was talking to someone about this earlier, but I live in Metro Nashville, uh, you know, Davidson County, Metro Nashville. Uh, my mom in Heron, Illinois pays five times more in taxes every year for property taxes than I do living in Davidson County, Metro Nashville. And that's yep. people are crazy to think that that's not gonna sway people's decisions on whether or not they're gonna keep their house, yeah
3: that's very true i th- I think our region um we're we're sort of kept afloat a little bit in terms of the house market and stuff simply because we have an air Force base close by um you know we've got Sky Air Force Base, so you have all those military personnel who who need a place to live and you know obviously they're you know they're being you know. They're, they're at least being compensated from their employer, which is the government um, in, in those cases. Uh, so yeah. So I think that when you have things like that, especially like in our region, because we do still have people who are like, oh yeah, no, no, no. You know, our prime taxes are just fine. We need more taxes. Or whatever, you know, we have to pay for the school or whatever. Um, and I think that in part kind of stuff like that sort of skews that perception. Is, and makes people think, oh, well, there's all these people here. They need homes so everything's going to be fine um, when everything's not going to be fine because just because the Air Force base is here doesn't mean anyone else wants to be. Right.
1: Switching gears a little bit, a lot of libertarians know that it's, uh, ballot access is a difficult uh, thing. So are you, mm-hmm. uh, are you on the ballot as a libertarian? Uh, did you have to get a lot of signatures? If so, um, what, what were the requirements? And, and talk a little bit about uh, ballot access and voting.
3: So I am on the ballot as a Libertarian. Uh, this year we got very, very lucky, um, due to the governor's, uh, COVID-19 restrictions that he placed on us, um, placed on the state, uh, back at near the end of March, um, that prevented the Libertarian Party of Illinois and candidates, um, like myself to go out and, um, collect signatures and get the, the standard amount which would have been um, about two or 3,000. Um, obviously, we double that. So I would have had to probably collect somewhere upwards of about 6,000 more to be on the ballot under a normal circumstance. Um, so we, our party, uh, you know, asked the governor's office for some relief. We asked the state board of elections for some relief. Both of those uh, offices de- declined to offer any relief. Um, and then said punted to the legislature who was out of session. Uh, so we ended up filing a lawsuit and the federal judge, uh, agreed that the special case of COVID made things more difficult, um, than necessary. Uh, so the federal judge set for new party, uh, new parties and independent set their signature requirements to, uh, almost equal to what the um, Democrats and Republicans typically get to enjoy. So instead of me having to go get 6,000 signatures, uh, I only needed a minimum of 196. And uh, I turned in about 215-ish. I had a little bit of leeway. So um, this year, we really got lucky. And you can see that across the state. We have Libertarian candidates um, in... I think we have nine statewide races, uh, for state house, uh, including mine, uh, across the state, which normally we never run in those because it's almost impossible, um, at the current, at the 6,000 amount to get that many signatures to put in.
0: Um,
3: and then the judge also extended, um, the filing period and deadline, um, which was also great. Um, there was a couple of appeals of course in the court that the courts ruled in our favor and um, kept, you know, that made everything perfectly normal and, and fine. So this year we got very, very lucky um, that we had a favorable ruling. So this, it wasn't very hard, but uh, yeah, in terms of general ballot access, yeah, Illinois has, I I'm not sure what other states do, but um, you know, Illinois sets uh, fairly high, um, Benchmarks uh, or signature requirements on independence and new parties. Uh, since Libertarian Party Illinois is currently not established, we fall under that new party deal. Every election, uh, and we end up having to collect, depending on the office, it's being there from uh, six thousand all the way up to fifty thousand. Uh, in fact, our last uh, governor's race that we turned in fifty thousand uh, signatures just to get our governor candidate on the on the ballot. Uh, so. Uh Illinois did have a ballot access a couple of ballot access law bills that would equalize that um they that kind of came up at the end of the governor's race uh kind of got muddled around and then now it's probably being killed off somewhere because it doesn't fit their the you know the the speaker's agenda and stuff um so I think that that's something that everybody wants changed in Illinois, not just us, uh, not just new parties, but even the two party establishment folks. Um, You know, I hear supporters a lot. They're like, man, these candidates suck. Why don't we have anyone else? Well, here's why. And it's because Illinois has got crazy uh, high barrier to entry uh, just to even run.
1: Yeah. We seem to see that a lot across a lot of states and
3: even, you know,
1: Tennessee is, up there as well and I believe the last count it's something around 47,000 signatures um uh, to be listed on the ballot as a libertarian for president or yeah. governor or anything else so it's pretty um yep. yeah uh, it's th- stupid yeah the threshold is high so what would you say your your number one issue is uh, on your website you have the illinois foster care reform i know that that's close to your heart mentioning the, that you do have two mm-hmm. infants and you guys are on uh inside the foster care system so um what would uh, what would be your ideas on changing the foster care and adoptive system in Illinois and or government in general towards the views of uh, adoption? Um, you know, I uh, I know that uh, me um, and my family are potentially looking about adopting, and I and I I believe you uh, have to be married for five years, and there's all kinds of different requirements. So, um, what is the libertarian view or your view so to speak on uh, the foster care system and adoption and how do we, um, you know, protect the vulnerable uh, children that are at risk?
3: Sure. Um, I'll give my view because I, I have seen libertarian view on this particular subject range from um, we need it to, it should never exist and it should be abolished. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the abolishment. Um, children are something that, you know, very serious, they should be protected in my mind and I would rather pay tax dollars to go towards that. But anyway, uh, from my view, on fixing the Illinois foster care system, um, our biggest issue in Illinois with in regards to the, the foster care system is that we have no set cutoff for when a judge should terminate parental rights um, or to end the case because it's not just about terminating parental rights. Um, whether it's to end the case or terminate or whatever, however it ends, um, it, we don't have a, a hard cutoff. So that creates uh, an issue with permanency. And permanency is simply, um, is the child going to go, is the child going to leave the system at, uh, at some point? Um, and by that, I mean, are they going to either be adopted or are they going to go back to their biological parents? So the goal of foster care is reunification. That's just getting the, the kid back with their biological parents um, and, and working towards that. But Illinois doesn't have a set cutoff of when that should happen. So even if a parent uh, progresses and they do well and they've demonstrated to the state that they are capable, competent parents and they've corrected all of the issues that led to their child being removed in the first place, a judge in the state could just simply keep the case going. Um, They could just keep dragging that out. And that's not good for the kid. It's not good for the biological parents. It's not good for anybody. Um, So, and and at the same time, the same token is, if you have a parent who has demonstrated that they absolutely don't want their child and they've done nothing to fix the issues, um, again, the state can just keep dragging, a judge could just keep dragging that along because there's no cut-off in law. Um, so in Illinois, our children, we have about 17,000 kids that enter foster students a year. Um, the children in Illinois typically stay in the system um, for four or more years. Um, um, I think it's about maybe 37% of them will actually age out of the system because there's no cutoff. <laughs> um, so that means they're stuck in this permanent place of limbo. Mm. And that's not helpful for a child who has been taken from their home, which is a very traumatic experience on top of any traumatic experience, any trauma caused from being, you know, that led up to them being removed. Um, and then, obviously, mean, and then you're taking them, you're putting the kid with, Complete strangers. You know, yeah, those people are vetted by the state. But I put them with complete strangers. <sighs> that right there is, is traumatizing itself. So you have kids, thirty seven percent of these kids that come in on the state, they're gonna live in in uh, this state of limbo. With people that they may or may not get close to, um, and, and for a variety of reasons. A lot a lot of that is a lack of training and support. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, and, and then obviously when you get to teenagers, uh, teenage years, you might start seeing some some other problems that maybe could have been corrected or dealt with or prevented uh, had something been done previously. So I would certainly change. I really want that part of the law changed. I want to have a cutoff. Because it's, what's in the best interest of the child isn't dragging their teeth on forever. It's either they go back to their parent, which is preferred or they get adopted, which is at the very least that is better for the kid and, and better for the taxpayers. Um, then it would be, you know, for the state. I, I assume the state gets some sort of cut back. I'm not sure. Um, I know president Trump um, a while back was aiming to put more funds, throw more funds at the state. So, uh, or at-state uh, to, to help sort of revamp the foster systems and adoption systems. Oh, I suspect some of that is maybe driven from monetary incentives. So that's the one of the first things I would fix, is I would fix a lot to to have a cutoff, so that way judges can't just keep dragging cases on forever. The second part is um, Illinois, like most other states, face a large issue with having enough foster families for the children that are in, that are coming in to care. So to solve a, you know, to get a, a bed essentially the state has various group homes and institutions that are run by the state, uh, across the state. Um, there, I think most of them are in Chicago. Um, but there are a couple down South, um but i do know a lot of kids from southern illinois who come into the foster care system end up going into a group home in chicago um that right there has a whole bunch of challenges you can probably imagine when chicago is four hours away from your home um so because there aren't enough and, and, and that's just you know there's not enough foster families and part of that is due to the licensing requirement um to get licensed i'm not saying you shouldn't be licensed to be a foster parent. I would not think about taking that away, but I would think about reducing the hours required. Um, for my wife and I, we had to do we had to do sixty four hours of training, state mandated required training, uh, in order to be uh, in order to be licensed, and that's for both of us. So my wife had to do sixty four, I had to do sixty four.
2: Now, how many hours of training do you have to do to uh, be allowed to have a child? <laughs> That's a weird one to me. Um, I, yeah. I'm not saying to get rid of the right. training. Yeah. That's just a no weird thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, the
3: training required to have a kid, but to take someone else's kid, you need to be trained. Um, <laughs> and I get some of the training, and some of the training, you know, it's at least in Illinois um, – Some of it is sort of beneficial. You know, some of it is like, oh, here's how to spot if a child is being trafficked or something. Um, But what there isn't in the training in Illinois is there isn't enough trauma-informed training. Um, I I mentioned trauma earlier. Uh, Trauma, with everyone who wants to be, who wants to go in and, and be either a foster parent or an adoptive parent, Need to understand that these kids are coming with trauma because of what they've experienced. The whole process itself of being removed from your home is traumatic. There's trauma everywhere, and the state licensing. Not only do you need something like sixty-four hours, or, you know, of training, um, there's no trauma training. There's no trauma-informed training. There's nothing there to give a. There's, there's no tools to give to a prospective foster parent to say, hey here's how you can handle this maybe behavior that's stemming from this trauma. And then on top of it, the state does not provide any kind of resource um, or support for that. Not that I'm saying that they should. Um, my wife works for an organization in our area called the Restored Network. They are a private entity and their whole goal is to provide training to foster, uh, to foster families. Um, in fact, our, our DCFS region um, the, the, the CFS offices here in our region go to restore when they can't find a bed or a kid um, for whatever reason. So I, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, so I, I would want to encourage and enact policies. You know, I would reduce the number of hours for licensing and I would change up the type of training so that way it is more common informed. So that way you have better, um, better retention of foster parents because it's great if you get them in, but you have to keep them. Otherwise, you're in your same problem of not having enough, having enough lots to feel. Like. And this so those are the two. That's the long-winded explanation behind the two things that I would definitely change. Um, there's plenty more. This just really scratches the surface, but I view these as the more immediate need.
2: Yeah, and I think it's really cool that you're focusing on something like that that can really get down to the root cause of of a lot of the a lot of the problems uh, that are that are going around uh, because it really does start at home and it does start when people are young and then that reverberates out through the rest of uh, your life and and there are a lot of people that are kind of left behind in these systems. I've got a niece and a nephew that are both adopted and and um, it's just a really cool. It's a really cool thing to be on the the main page for your platform. Uh, that that's something you care about. That's uh, really really appreciate that. There's not a lot of people talking about that.
3: Foster care. Yeah, this is what motivated me to run in the first place. Uh, it's not the only reason, um, but it is definitely the main main motivator. Um, and and that is simply because I've I've called and emailed my representative. Um, I've gotten no response. I've brought up these issues to them. Nothing, 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 nothing. Just a whole lot of, uh, just just a lot of um, voicemails, a lot of not returned phone calls, a lot of not replied to emails. Uh, sometimes I'll get a form letter, you know, um, which to me, that tells me that my representative doesn't care. He doesn't care enough about me to even remotely listen to my issue. I don't expect him to go fix it. I'm the only person talking about something. I don't expect him to drop everything and go fix it. But maybe he should at least kind of listen and maybe say, hey, yeah, I I agree. This is a problem. We'll work to fix it. At
1: least acknowledge.
3: Um, He he is your representative. um, Yeah, acknowledge acknowledge that I'm at least bringing you an issue that I would like addressed, that I think he could address and should address, but I just get crickets, you know? (laughs) So I decided, well, if he's not going to help me, I'm going to help myself and my district and the kids in the state, and I'm going to do it. I will step up to the plate. I will run. I will win. And I will do it. I will fix it.
2: Well, tell Uh, me, uh, as we wrap this up here, why why people in your district should consider you over your opponent and maybe uh, libertarianism over the standard R&D that we've been dealing with uh, for forever. So give me, you know, I, I need that pitch.
3: Sure, so I would say reasons to vote for me or any libertarian, period. Um, one, I'm not I'm not in it for myself. I firmly believe my opponent is. He has been in office for 20-some-odd years. I do not wish to be in office for 20 years. I just want to do, be in office, fix a problem, and get out and go back home. Um, in general, the, the voting for the same people that put us in this in the situation we are in is not going to change the situation we're in. If you vote for the guy that either enabled it or actually put us there, um, you're just going to get more of the same. You're going to get more of the same thing, more of the same policies, more of the same problems. If in 20 years you haven't fixed the problem, not a single problem then you shouldn't be doing the job in the first place time for you to leave so i would say to anybody who is not you know not a libertarian just in general stop voting for the same people that created the problems in the first place um it's all about breaking a circle or breaking the cycle um if you continue doing the things that are contributing to the cycle, the cycle continues. It only changes when you stop doing, when you stop contributing to the
2: cycle. Sounds like everyone's uh, suffering from a little bit of insanity when it comes to the political parties that they're voting for all the time. Expect, <laughs> You know, expecting a different outcome yeah, after doing the same thing all the time.
3: <laughs> yeah, I would certainly say doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is the very definition of insanity. Um, you know, I get that new things are scary and change can be scary. But what I think we need, uh, not just for the 113th district, not just for the state of Illinois, and not just for the state of Tennessee, but for the entire country is we need a lot of scary change that people didn't think was possible. And you get that by voting
1: for someone like a libertarian, for simple.
3: That's right. Well, Mark, <laughs> the we really, way it's going to happen.
1: Mark, we really appreciate your time and uh, let all of our listeners know where they can go uh, support you, um, perhaps make a donation or volunteer or anything like that. Point them to your website and, and how they can get a hold of you.
3: Sure. So my, my the campaign website is ignite liberty, 2020.com from there you'll find a link to a nice, lovely link that says donate. <laughs> Click on that. It'll take you to a GoFundMe I've got going on right now. Um, so any donation of any dollar amount really does help. I certainly appreciate it. So if you're so inclined to do that, please do. Um, you could also sign up right there. Uh, there's a little email button on that same page, a little bit further down. Click on that. You can send me a message if you'd like to volunteer. Volunteer work is just as good as a monetary donation. Um, you can also follow me. Um, on Twitter, uh, the handle there is just ignite underscore liberty or ignite underscore liberty. And then on Facebook is just facebook.com forward slash ignite liberty 2020.